Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jerry. Praise the Lord. God is good. Let's say this. Restoration, Restoration is, for me. is for me. I won't miss, I won't miss on, anything on anything that God wants for me. God wants for me. Amen. Amen. Now, what does that mean to us, though? We're not going to miss out on anything that God wants for us, but we have to think about what does that mean. So while we're thinking, we're going to pray, okay? Let's pray over the word tonight. Father, we are so grateful for you in this house tonight. We are so grateful for every person, every heart, and every life in this house tonight. We are grateful for the word of God that demonstrates your goodness, that shows us who you are. We are grateful, Father, for the Spirit of God that helps us speak and helps us hear. We are grateful, Father, for the anointing of God that captivates our heart and life and makes possible to understand your mysteries. We are grateful, Father, that you have come to this house on this night to help us in our life in the earth. And we thank you and we praise you for it. Now, I ask, Father, for the seeds of the word to be planted in hearts tonight. I ask, Father, for a watering of the word that's already in the heart. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against this word will prosper. Nothing can stop it, nothing can hinder it, and nothing can make it non-productive. In Jesus' name. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 3. And uh, Pastor Jerry, since the beginning of the year, has declared this as a year of restoration. And we see that confirmed in other places in the earth, that there is restoring things going on all over the earth. There is miracles taking place all over the earth. And we want to make sure in this house that you get to be a recipient of that as well. Amen? So let's read the context that um, Pastor Jerry's been using. It says in Acts 3, 19, he says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and that, so that times of refreshing may come for the, from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. So we see here that he set a timeline and what that timeline is, at the beginning, when the world began, the prophets began from that moment to prophesy about a restoration of all things. So they began this restoration process by prophesying that it was going to come to pass. So we see the beginning of the timeline is when the world began when the prophets been started declaring restoration. We see over here the time when Jesus is coming back. And this is the time when Jesus is coming back, is the time of restoration of all things is going to happen between the return of Jesus and this time that the world began. So all through, I'm probably going backwards for y'all, aren't I? Does this need to be the beginning and that needs to be the end? <laughs> okay, all right. So you can read your Hebrew, right? You can read right to left. 
Praise the Lord. Okay. So um, in this, then what we have is the, the prophecy of restoration of all things. We have the restoration of all things. And then we have the return of the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Even though it's backwards. Okay. So we have the prophetic word that all things are going to be restored. We have the restoring of all things. And then we have the return of Jesus. Now, this isn't a difficult question. So which place are we in? The time of the prophecy, the time of the restoring, or Jesus has come back? The time of the restoring, all right? So it gives us some key elements about the time of restoring. And we see these in verse 19. He says, repent therefore and be converted. So we know that this time of restoring includes a time of, there's repentance and conversion in that time. And we see also, he says, that your sins are blotted out during this time. And he says that times of refreshing are in this time. You all see what I'm saying here, okay? So all this is happening in this restoration process. So during the restoration process, there's repentance, there's conversion, there's time your sins are blotted out, and there's times of refreshing. All of that is happening during this time of restoration to get to the final thing of Jesus can come back. Okay? Now, when we think about that, um, repentance and conversion. Okay, so we know there's people getting saved. But to be converted means to change from one stature to another stature or one position to another position or one opinion to another opinion, okay? And repentance just means change. So while this restoration process is going on, there's an expectation on the church that we're going to have to change. We're going to have to change. Because if we don't change, restoration's not happening. Because restoration requires change. All right? Because if everything could be restored as we currently are, Jesus would return. Okay? Because that's the timeline. Do you all see that? So there's times of modification. There's times of change. There's times of adjusting. There's times of forgiveness. There's times of refreshing. All of that is available to us right now, okay? So with that being said, we have to understand that when we talk about the restoration of all things, we get all excited about everything we need restored. But understand when the prophets were prophesying about that, it included you. But they are thinking the restoration of all things according to what Adam had. According to what Adam had. They're not just thinking about your physical body. They're not just thinking about your condition. They're not just thinking of your mental benefit, although that's included. But what they're thinking is the way Adam had it is the way it's going to return. And so we obviously have to know, then there's, gonna, there's room for change. 
there's room for change to get there. And you start thinking about what did Adam have before the fall? See, because there is a restoration of even your physical body to return to the way Adam had it when you leave this earth, right? There is a return to the paradise when you get to heaven. But everything else can be restored to you right now, right here. Amen? If we're willing for the process to work in our life, okay? And um, we made this comment, the Spirit of the Lord's been working on me in this comment because I've been thinking about the restoration of all things, and he made this comment to me. He said, the quality of your life, remember this, depends entirely on how you did that. Cool of you. The quality of your life depends entirely on how you submit to God and how you resist the enemy. Those two factors entirely uh, determine the quality of your life. And you can't do one and not the other. You can't say, well, I'm going to submit to God. But I want to tell you, you can submit to God, but the enemy can mow you over. Or you can just resist the enemy, resist the enemy, and never submit to God, and you're never going to go anywhere but a battlefield. Okay? So the quality of your life deter is determined entirely, is dependent entirely on how you submit to God and how you resist the enemy. Every complication that you're experiencing or encountering is probably found a fault in one of those two areas. Even I'm not submitted to God or I am not resisting the enemy. Or both, or both. right. It's going to be found in one, the other, or both, okay? So we have to look at, because we're in restoration process where change is mandatory to get us to the next level, we have to look at how are we submitting to God and how are we resisting the enemy? How are we doing these things? Because if we're coming short, the quality of our life is going to demonstrate that. And we don't want the quality of our life hindered by either one. Amen. Amen. So we are in a constant change season. Let's look over at James 4, verse 7, which is the basis of that phrase. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Those are two keys. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right? So the keys to your restoration... You have two keys to your restoration, submission to God, resistance of the enemy. Those are the two keys of your restoration. So every change process that you need to encounter will be rooted in either I need to submit to God or I need to resist the enemy. Okay? So let's keep moving forward. Are you, are you with me? Okay. So what does the word submit mean? The word submit, all right, it means to yield, to resign or surrender to the power of, to the will of, or authority of another. All right, to submit means to yield, resign, or surrender to the power, the will, or authority of another. Specifically, it means to yield without murmuring. 
Submission is only proven when there's conflict. When we're all flowing together, who's submitting to who? Nobody knows. We're going together. Okay? When one is going in opposite direction, then there is opportunity for submission. Okay? See, submission isn't just that, okay, I'll go along. Submission is a recognition of someone else's will and you resign to that will. That's why it requires submission to God. You have to recognize the will of God and yield and surrender to that will. That's what submission to God is. All right? So God, because many times what we think is, and I, uh, we think God is there to catch us when we fall, which is so true. But God is more importantly there to show us where to go. He's not just there to catch you when you fall. He's there to lead you where you should go. And that's when submission gets tested. Because we're always grateful he's there to catch us when we fall. But what about when he's trying to lead us where we don't want to go? There's where submission is. There's where submission is proven. When he wants us to do what we don't want to do. Okay? When, he, when he's asking to perform what we don't want to do. That's where submission is tested. But yet, it's a key to your restoration. It's a key to your restoration. All right? So if we were going to um, think about this, why would people not submit to God? You know, why would we not submit to God? And um, it's an interesting thought, you know, because God always, all of God's leadings are by invitation. None of them are by requirement. The closer you get to God, the stronger you think he gets with his requests of you. But still, God's leadings are by invite, invitation. Come. Draw near. Do this. And yet, in the church, we have a mentality that God is hard, mean, and gruff. That he's a just judge. That he likes you on some days. He always loves you because that's the religious right answer. But we still have this philosophy that God is more harsh than gentle. More hard than soft. More difficult to appease. And I want you to know this church that it's not a mystery how that came to be in most of the church because that was a doctrine of devils from centuries ago that hangs around us to try and influence us today and then we look at the world and see god should judge them you know what adds fuel to us thinking he's harsh and hard does anybody follow what I'm saying? It was a doctrine of devils. 
praise the Lord if you've already worked all the way through it. Hallelujah. But if we find ourselves striving to get something from God or trying to deserve something or trying to qualify ourselves or trying to earn something, more than likely if you get to the root of it because you believe God's more hard than he is gentle. Because you're still trying to appease an angry God instead of receiving what he's already paid for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we don't, sometimes we don't take time to consciously think about, am I submitted to God? Am I submitted to God? Because the obvious answer is yes. But, you know, I was thinking about this today. If I was going to say I'm submitted to God today, and somebody would say, well, why do you say that? Well, you'd start going through your repertoire of proof and evidences of why I was submitted to God. So what in your life produces the evidence that says you're submitted to God? What in your life produces that evidence of, yes, I am submitted to God? And you start thinking, okay, then if it's submission is shown through the leadings and the opportunities for the leadings, what did God lead me into today? What did God ask of me today? Where did God direct me today? Where did God influence me today? What did God do in my life today? And if the answer is, I don't know, then we got to go back and we got to look at our level of submission. Because he is hungry to lead us every day. He's hungry to direct something in our life every day. And our submission is proven out by how much we hear and obey. Respond to what he says. Amen? Have I lost you now? Okay, this isn't bad news tonight. That was the worst part, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so let's look over at Romans 6, 16. And it says there, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So whoever you obey, you become a slave or a servant to it. Now, we can think of people, but that's not where I want to hang tonight. I want to think of conditions. What about fear? So you submit yourself to fear. According to this now, you become a slave of fear. Whatever you will submit yourself to obey, you'll become a slave to that. That's why God says, submit to me. Make yourself only a slave of mine. Okay, make yourself only a servant of mine. Now, let's think back for just a moment from the father's perspective. Okay, so the father creates an earth and he creates a man and a woman and everything that's necessary and needed for them to have an absolutely perfect life. Nothing is missing, nothing is broken, nothing is hindered. Nothing is hard. He creates a perfect place for man. 
that not only is the external things perfect, but the condition of man internally is also God-breathed divine nature. The peace of God is present within him. The joy of the Lord is present with him. All the fruit of the Spirit is living and dwelling and abiding within him. All of it is good. God has created all of it good. And man takes his authority then, and what he does is he takes his authority and he becomes a slave of the enemy through the serpent. So now what has happened is mankind has become a slave to the kingdom of darkness to obey it because he subjected himself and he yielded and he obeyed the enemy. Okay, and, man sa- and God says, that's not good because that's not the way I created mankind to live. I never created mankind to live as a slave of the kingdom of darkness. And he said, so I'm going to do something about that. So the enemy will lose his mastery over my creation of man. So he devises a plan. And he says, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go in the form of man through Jesus. And I'm going to take on the one that took mastery over my man and everything good that was supposed to happen for him. And I'm going to take the enemy on and I'm going to defeat him so that the slavery that they're subject to is broken off of their life. And I'm going to do everything necessary that that darkness has no control or authority over him ever again. So he sends Jesus. Jesus walks the earth for, earth for three and a half years. Okay, in ministry. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Hallelujah. 33 years. Is that what you're going to tell me? Okay. Let's be accurate. I subject myself a slave to obey you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so um, Jesus walks the earth for that three and a half years of ministry showing us how to walk as a minister of the kingdom of light, okay? So then Jesus yields himself to the master that was holding man. He yields himself to the kingdom of darkness, okay? And he goes through the scourging. He goes through the crucifixion. His body is tucked away in a tomb for three days while he himself is sent under the command of that master of darkness to hell itself. So he right there is bearing what all of mankind was designed for because our representative of Adam subjected us to that enemy. And he went and took on that enemy all for the reason, I want man back. I want man back. And I want man to have again the opportunity to live the way I originally created him to live. And we call that restoration. All right? So he said, I want man back. I want man back where sickness and disease doesn't have authority over him. I want man back 
where poverty and lack doesn't have authority over him. I want man back where the peace of God dominates. The joy of the Lord is their strength. I want man back to that condition and place. Come on. And the father's thought this plan through and he sent his son. He's given all he's got to make that work like that. So now what God is asking, will you submit to my will on, in your life that says the restoration of what Adam had is yours again? Yeah, come on. Will you submit to my will Instead of your will, because my will for you is health, it's prosperity, it's peace, it's goodness, it's the love of God, it's the joy of the Lord. And many times we find ourselves, when we're thinking about submitting to God, we're thinking of his demands and requirements, and we're not thinking of his will. His will is perfect peace for you all the time. His, perfect, his will for you is no confusion. His will for you is strength and joy and happiness and family and friends and acceptance and love and kindness and goodness and grace and all those things. So will you submit to that will? And what happens is we get in a position where we want it and we don't know how to get it. Two keys of restoration. Submit to God. Resist the enemy. Submit to God. And many times we hold God back because we don't see how we qualify. We hold God back not because we don't want the benefits of his will, but we don't know how to earn the benefits of his will. When all along, it's just submit. Just yield. Just give yourself over. I can't perform anything to make it work. The Spirit of the Lord is the performer of His will. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the performer. And what we, what we have to do is be disciplined and diligent to renew our mind to what that will is. We have to be disciplined to know what is the will of God for me. It's not about a doctrine. It's about a will. It's not about a, um, a list of requirements. It's about a will. Now think about this. The Father in his, on his throne in heaven has worked out the perfect plan for complete wholeness in every area of your life. And all he's saying is, submit to what I want for you. Submit to what I want for you. You know, sometimes it takes just a good crying out, God, I don't know how to do this anymore. I just need you. Just help me. Help me get this working in me. Just help me. I don't know how to do it. I don't, I, I've prayed this, I've done this, I've exhausted myself this way, and I've done everything I could do this way. He said, just submit to the will of God, and here it comes. It's not a doctrine, it's a will. It's a desire for God for you. 
a desire that God has for you. Amen? Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And what happens is we have a choice to just submit. And it's usually not that we don't want it, but we want to work it. We want to work it. And so what we have to understand is working it is yielding to it. Yield to what God wants for you. Yield to what God wants for you. God wants good for you all the time. And you want to know something? Every time you repent, he erases whatever it was you did wrong. Every time. And he's just saying, just change. Just change. Just keep changing. Just keep changing. Just keep changing. We're metamorphosizing. Change. Change. Just change. Just change. Just change. And sometimes it's not a big thing. A little bit of change can produce a different result. I heard this story recently, and this this, um, young man went to, he was a high school baseball pitcher, and he went to college on a baseball scholarship as a pitcher, and when he got to college, he realized that his fastball pitch wasn't enough to play at that level. So the pitching coach taught him a new pitch called a slider. I have no idea what that is. I'm just telling you what I heard the story with. Okay, a slider. So he, um, the pitching coach taught him this slider. Well, they go to their first game, and he gets put in as the pitcher in the second inning. And he throws six or eight pitches, and he gets hit on uh, to where the bases are loaded in just six or eight pitches. The first three hitters hit on him. And um, the pitching coach came to the mound, and he said, I thought for sure I was out of the game. He was going to take me out. And the pitching coach walked up to him and said, show me your slider. So he put his hand on the ball and held it up for the pitching coach to see. And he said, the pitching coach took my middle finger and moved it an eighth of an inch from one side of the threads on the ball to the other side of the threads on the ball, an eighth of an inch. And he said... The next, next three batters I struck out in a row. An eighth of an inch. An eighth of an inch was the difference between bases loaded and three outs. See, and sometimes in our submission, God just got you just an eighth of an inch, just, just an eighth of an inch adjustment is going to make all of this work. An eighth of an inch adjustment is going to make all the difference in your life. Just that little bit. That instead you confess this scripture. That instead you do this in the morning. Instead, just do this. You know, um, one day um, somebody came and they were talking about their joints were aching, you know, and, you know, pray. I think it's arthritis. It's all these things, all these things going on and all this. And we prayed in the spirit. Uh, I got a better one. The spirit of the Lord said, um, don't drink coffee. Eighth of an inch. Everything's done. That's a little more. You don't know. About an inch. <laughs> You don't hardly drink any coffee, you know. And so sometimes we make things bigger than they are. 
You know what I'm saying? Because the enemy wants to do that. Wants to do that. I'm going to tell a story on you. Okay. This warning. So you can plug your ears. Okay. Um, Micah the other day comes down to me. I'm in this prayer chair. And she comes down to me and she says, Mom, I don't know what it is. She said, my whole left arm is numb. My hand is numb. I can't feel it. And I said, well, did you sleep on it wrong? And she said, I don't think so, because usually by the time I get up and get going, um, it feels okay, you know, if you just sleep on it wrong. She said, I still literally cannot feel my hand. And she'd been up for a few hours. So and she said, will you at least just pray about it and ask the Lord what it is? I said, sure. So she went on to work. I was praying. And the Spirit of the Lord began to quicken to me what she had done the, day, the night before. And I thought, well, what did she do the night before? And I got to thinking, she made 200 cupcakes for VBS and squeezed that thing 200 and some times. And it made her whole arm just numb the next day. See how the enemy is? What's wrong with me? Am I having a heart attack? She didn't say that. She didn't get panicked. You know, what's wrong with me? It's just a small thing. It's just a small thing. Submission to God is just a small thing. He is not asking you to renovate your whole life in submission to him. He's asking you to do the small things that he's just prompting you to do. Just do the small thing. Just do it. Because if you'll do anything, restoration is happening. If you'll do just the smallest thing, the process is working. Okay? If you do anything, you're in the time of repentance and conversion and change that it is working. All right? You have to keep your eyes on the restoration process so that the submission to God stays in place and you don't see God as hard. You see God with a will and a desire for your very best life possible in every area of life. In every area of life. He wants you to love your job like your job. Like your job. He wants you to only love him. He wants you to like your job, to enjoy your family, to enjoy your pastimes, to enjoy what you do. But what happens so many times is we think he's going to cut all that stuff out that we enjoy. That he is going to come against us instead of for us. God has a life. That's better right now than where you sit. That is so much better that it only take, it takes your imagination in order to grasp it. And that is the will of God that he's asking you to submit to. It'd be so much easier to get up here and say, submit, do this, do that, do this. But God never redeemed man for a list of toil and requirement. He redeemed man so they'd have a life of enjoyment and fulfillment. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Where are we at? I slapped you and I lost my page and it hurt. Praise the Lord. Restore. Hallelujah. All right. God gave us a free will. So submission is optional. It's optional. And that's sometimes what hangs us up. And because it's optional and he's not standing over you with a club, you understand what I mean. All right? 
But you have to understand, with every choice comes a responsibility. Every choice you make is a responsibility. And so you have to make the right choice, and the only way you're going to make the right choice is remaining submitted to Him to hear what His will is in that area. All right? And we know God's like that. Otherwise, everybody would be saved. Everybody has an option. So we have an option at every level of our life whether to obey God and do what he wants or not. Now, the thing about obedience is we always have to look at the end prize of obedience. The end prize of obedience is always to get us to full restoration, to get us to full restoration. The price of obedience isn't to take something out of your life. The price of obedience is to get the fullness of God's life. Amen? All right. So we might submit to what God's plan is. We might refuse what God's plan is. Or we might reason away what God's plan is. But most people know what God is wanting from them. Most people know what God is asking of them. So you need to make a quality decision, and I need to make a quality decision that what God asks of me is for my good, and I choose him. Amen. And I choose him. Amen. He may be asking me to do things that aren't comfortable. He may be asking me to do things that are brand new. He may be asking me to do things that aren't um, uh, the things that I'm accustomed to. He, but regardless of what he's asking of me, I have to be willing to say, yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. And what happens sometimes is we get stuck. We get stuck wanting what we do to work instead of going to the master of the work. I just want this to work. I just want this to work. I just want to do this and it work. I just want to do this and it work. But the problem is God's got a thousand different ways to work his word. And so you need to be submitted to him to find out what will work. What will work. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the going from glory to glory is really, um, you could say this, going from level of submission to level of submission. Amen. All right, now let's go over to Matthew 8, and we're going to look at some things here. Matthew chapter 8. Hallelujah. So when Jesus entered Capernaum in verse 5, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, I surely, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So we have a centurion man that has a servant that's sick and he wants him to come and heal him. And the centurion doesn't want Jesus to come to his house because he doesn't feel qualified for that. And he says this to Jesus. He said, just speak a word. 
because I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. So you could say this this way. The hierarchy for this man was someone was in charge of him and he was in charge of some others. Or you could say this. He was submitted to a higher authority and he was the authority to others. So we have to see this clearly that he was submitted to someone else and someone was submitted to him. Now, when he gave a command, those below him obeyed. But he said, what qualifies me to have the authority I do is because I am under an authority. Because I am an, under an authority, because I live submitted to someone, my authority to the next level beneath me works. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Okay. He's saying, because I have yielded myself to this authority to be the captain or the centurion of these soldiers, these soldiers will obey me. If he wasn't submitted to that authority, it's questioned whether or not they'd obey him. All right? Now think of the things in our life and the will of God. The reason your authority works in the will of God against the enemy is because you've received your authority from the one you're submitted to. So what is happening is, is the authority you're declaring on the kingdom of darkness is actually the authority of the one you are submitted to and you're just a vessel to get that authority from there to there. And that's why it works. See, many times we try to get this to fall in line, but we have never submitted ourselves to that authority, so this isn't listening. Do you see what I understand what I'm saying? Let's look at this in Acts chapter 19. And Jesus said in response to that centurion, I've never seen such great faith. He understands submission and authority, that the authority of the submitted one is exactly the same as the one they're submitted to. The authority of the submitted one is exactly the same as the one they're submitted to. The one that they had subjected themselves to is the authority that's given to them to do. All right? So we see here in Acts 19, um, a situation here. I better get there. Acts 19, verse 11. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Paul was submitted to God, and so Paul had authority over that kingdom of darkness. And it was God's authority working through Paul, bringing God's order. It was God's authority working through Paul, bringing to pass the will of God in the earth. It was God's authority working through Paul, bringing restoration to that which needed restored. 
okay? Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Okay? So what we have here is we start in verse 11 with Paul standing between the authority of God because he was submitted to God and we have him using that authority against the kingdom of darkness. His submission is what made him powerful. His submission is what made him strong. His submission is what made it possible. Then we have seven sons of Sceva that have seen it happen say, hey, we want to do that. We want to do that. We want to try that. We want to try that. But we don't have any record of their submission to God. All we see them is trying to use authority over the enemy. And what happened? It wasn't pretty. They call it the streak. All right? Okay? There was no submission, so therefore there's no authority. There's no submission, there's no authority. Now, God is going to lead you in a process in your, your life that's asking of you more and more submission all the time. More and more submission. And if you go back to say, well, I don't want to submit anymore to God, you got to stop and ask yourself, why is that? Why is that I don't want to yield more to God? I don't want to give up more to God. Because the thought that, well, I may not have fun anymore, holds no water. God created pleasure. All right? The thought that I might lose out holds no water. Because God's got everything you could ever possibly need. The thought that it won't bring me as much joy, that ship ain't slailing either. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, the bottom line is we have no reason. We have no reason to not submit to God. And God is trying to work a process of restoration in the earth. And he needs his church to do it. So he needs his church under authority so they can demonstrate authority because when you are submitted you become an accurate representative of who you're submitted to you become accurate representation okay you become accurate representation otherwise you look like someone trying to do something like the seven sons of Sceva were the seven sons of Sceva an accurate representation of God? Was Paul an accurate representation of God? Absolutely. What's the difference between the two? Submission. Submission. Amen? It might be just an eighth inch. They were Jewish. They had the opportunity. It might be move the middle finger the other side of the stitching close but it still wasn't the submission 
that was needed for that type of authority. Amen? So your level of submission to God will determine your level of authority in God. All right? And when you submit to Him and His goodness, it's in order for you to receive goodness and to begin to command goodness in any other area of life. All right? Hallelujah. So it's about yielding to God's will for you. Now, let's look at just a couple scriptures here. Um, let's go first to James. Almost done here. James 4, and it says in verse 6, But he gives more grace, therefore he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we've read this before. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Your submission to God will determine how the enemy flees when you resist. Okay, turn over to 1 Peter. Is it 1 Peter 5? 1 Peter 5, 5. All right. Um, it goes on to say the same thing. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he goes on to say, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. See, on the restoration timeline... There's a due time when you have submitted yourself to God uh, that he's going to begin to exalt you. And what does exaltation look like? It's not celebrity status. I'm just going to let you know, okay? It's not that you're going to be on the cover of National Enquirer. Praise the Lord, okay? <laughs> That's not what God's trying to say. He's saying if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you're going to get more and more authority given to you. More and more authority will be given to you. You'll have command over more. You'll begin to speak and set divine order. You'll be able to set things aright. You'll be, in to, be able to do these things. And it's all about humility, which is submission. Um, the, the difference between the proud and the humble is not, the humble don't think less of themselves. The humble think of themselves less. They don't take time to dwell on their situation. The proud thinks about their situation all the time. The humble don't, doesn't think and meditate on their situation. The humble think of someone else's situation. The humble thinks of what God's will is. The humble thinks of what God's plan is. The humble thinks of what's my portion in God's plan, not what's God going to do for my plan. All right? So the humble isn't about thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. All right? And so that's required to think of ourselves less so that God becomes greater so that we can be receivers of authority. That's the whole reason for your submission. For authority to be granted to you that the kingdom of darkness conforms to you. Have you ever noticed that when you got trouble, you want to call somebody with big guns spiritually? Let's get the big guns in here on this situation. Who's the big guns? I don't know, but let's find this one, right? 
We need us a cannon. Amen? All right. So let's go to Philippians 2 and we'll close there. Philippians 2 verse 10 says this. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. That's talking about restoration of all things. That every tongue could, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to see there's coming a day where everyone, 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 you, me, the ones in heaven, the ones in hell, everyone is going to declare Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone. All right? So what that means, that someday everyone will have to submit to Jesus. They'll have to. It may be too late for some, but they're still going to know he was the Lord. He was Lord that I should have accepted, that I should have received. And the word Lord there means the master or the controller. So I say this for this reason. You have a choice. Submit to him now and get in on the perfect will of God for your life or submit to him later when it's not going to change anything because you've already made your decision. All right? I recommend now. <laughs> I would um, exhort you and implore you now. <laughs> All right? Because now is when God could use you to help bring restoration of all things. Now is when he needs you for restoration of all things. Not just restoration of your life, but he's working a plan to bring mankind back to what Adam abandoned way back there. And he needs as many of us as he can get that are so submitted to him, walking in the authority to help make that happen. It's only people, that's all he's got in the earth, that agree with his spirit to make that happen. We want the restoration of all things. And submission to him gives us authority to make that happen. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something tonight? Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. You know, the thing about submission is no one else can look on you and decide if you're submitted. You know. You know. The little quickenings. You know the biddings and the promptings. You know what God is working. You know. And so tonight, let's just pray and agree in this house that we become obedient to what we know. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you that we are entering into a time and season of greater submission to you. For, Father, it's our desire to walk in greater authority in the earth. We know your will. We know your intent. We know your desire. Help us to be workers together with you, the workmen in this house, to bring to pass your perfect will in the earth. We accept our assignment, Commander. We accept our task. 
We accept our commission to work with the spirit of grace, to work with the spirit of God in the earth under your command to bring restoration of all things as you want. We accept you as our master, our Lord, and our controller. You are our commander, and we subject ourselves to you. And we give you the praise and the thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we are going to submit to God. Because we're going to have authority. Because we're going to have restoration of all things. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say... Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.